cool. All, All right. right. Let's do this. Woo! <laughs> Finally. <laughs> it's, it's after a fucking 40 minutes. 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, we, can, all right. we can gripe about this in a moment. Let's get the intro out of the way. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to Abbey Archives, a Redwall reread featuring one pagan and one Christian going over the series to see what aged like fine strawberry wine and what aged like milk. I'm Izzy, I use C-seer pronouns. And I'm Kit, I use she-her pronouns. You can find us and content for the podcast, including art and links to other Redwall-related things, at Abbey Archives on Twitter. We have spent 40 minutes trying to get our audio to work. Oh and my it's god, been... it was all my fault too. It was all on my end. <laughs> it was Audacity was just like, I'm just going to change this setting and yeah. not sh- tell you I did the thing. Like, like Audacity okay. just shut my mic down. <laughs> and Recording volume set to no. <laughs> set to no. So we spent 30 minutes trying to figure it out back and <laughs> the forth. The past 10 and then... minutes has been fixing the problem. <laughs> And then I send Izzy a Snapchat like like Audacity's not picking up my audio at all, and Izzy's like, I see the problem. Like we've been fighting with Discord and looking at like our laptop settings, and it was Audacity the whole time. Fuck me. Uh. <laughs> so today we're covering book two, the quest of uh, uh from Redwall, which. In this book, all of the book individual books inside the books start at chapter one. Brian, why? <laughs> so there's 23 chapters in this section. Brian, why? <laughs> Brian, why? Especially because in Mossflower, he just doesn't do that. I know. I don't think he does that in any of the other books, does he? Does I don't remember. Oh. Does it look like I remember that small detail? Okay. All right, pretty- so... Content warnings include, but are not limited to, ableism, unsanitary conditions, on-screen death, bodily harm ranging from mild to severe, Mm -mm. siege warfare, snakes, which Kit has put in parentheses (laughs) as smodius, (laughs) heights, racism, 
I'm not I'm not gonna say potential, it's definitely native stereotypes. Yeah, quite a few bad native stereotypes. Oh of god, so many. And European dehumanization and American. humiliation. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And dehumanization and humiliation. Uh yeah, warning, the uh spara are in oh, this section it's of the so book. So bad. And it's bad. Like you could oh tell my I was getting angrier as I was as I was writing the notes, you could tell I was angry because I started like injecting uh invectives into the you notes did. like matthias you little f- well you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah kit writes all of our notes uh like writes up our summaries for this uh and it's very funny watching kit get more and more tired of this book shit as we go <laughs> <laughs> like it can t- so just... starting also, in chapter- th- this is probably going to be a good chunky recording because this book gets chunker All right. Chapter one of book two, The Quest. So we get Matthias, because if we remember last time, Matthias fell asleep in the middle of the woods after a bunch of shit happened. Like an idiot. I mean, I'm guessing the, the idiocy does not get any better. I mean, like, I feel like, in, like, in this case, I feel like I can justify it in that one, he hadn't eaten anything, and two, the adrenaline wore off. But it's like, boy, how are you not a ball of anxiety right now? Right? It's because he's stupid. <laughs> it, it, I, I feel a little like, I have a note on this further down, but since you brought it up right now, um, I feel like Matthias suffers from being what Brian needs him to be. When Brian needs him to be smart and competent, he is incredibly smart and competent. He when suffers Brian... from male Brian... antagonist disease. Yeah, when Brian needs him to be an idiot, he is an idiot to move the plot along. Um... He suffers from Luke Skywalker disease. Hey, I like Luke. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I like Luke. Listen, I like <laughs> Matthias, but I'm not wrong. Actually, you actually really you aren't because this is also a good segue into talking about the hero's journey because Luke and Matthias are both really like perfect pristine examples for what one would call the hero's journey. You've got the bumpkin farm kid, the the sheltered abbey kid who is a fucking prophecy, a prophecy, a magical sword. Because I love lightsabers, <laughs> but they are basically magical swords. Um, yeah. Further, especially cemented. when you consider like kyber crystals and how kyber crystals work. Except okay. as Star Wars goes, like, like okay, <laughs> it's like, like the canon t- of kyber crystals is really wibbly wobbly. Because I was watching, uh, I watched Star Wars Visions, which is really bomb ass, by the way. Please it watch is. Star Wars Visions. It is. But like, you have like three different shorts, which are like, if you have a red lightsaber, you are a Sith. But then they also show this guy who is a Sith hunter. And I guess because he's not a Jedi, the lightsaber he uses are still red because all of his kyber well, crystals see, are Here's red. the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, oh, spoilers so this for is Visions, by the way. <laughs> this is the thing that like Visions I'm kind of like, eh, on is you don't have to use kyber crystals to power a lightsaber. But isn't it the most efficient you know, way? You don't... N- n- no. Oh. Kyber crystals are more easily attuned to the force. Oh. But you can use just about anything. Okay. I... To power a lightsaber 
Like, All right. Is this from the original canon, though, or is this from the Disney canon? Remember, there is a split. This now. is this is like books and comics and Again, a lot before, of the extended universe before or after before the Disney. Disney. So that is no longer canon. Well, Disney can eat my dick. <laughs> Because it's still fucking canon, and Disney can eat my dick! That's fair. That is very fair. But, because but, they're wrong! But to give, to give Visions a pass, Visions is working only with the Disney canon, so they could only do so much. Okay, they this is also, eat. though, this is the same collection of short stories where these two twins fight in space, and evidently Jedi can just breathe in space now. So, <laughs> me, the whole short, like, yes, I know you are all a bunch of Studio Trigger and Studio Gainax expats, but y'all, this is not <laughs> Gurren Lagan. People cannot breathe in space in Star Wars. I almost choked. <laughs> anyway, anyway, this is a tangent. Oh, we started like, hero's journey, and then we started yelling about Kyber Chris. Anyway, that was our Star Wars tangent for the day. It, We're it not was, doing that again. It was relevant in that, like Matthias does suffer from the hero's journey, where it's like he is—he'll have moments of competence when he needs him, but he is still a kid. He will still goof up, slip up, and he suffers from protagonist disease. Yes. Uh, um, anyway, so Matthias wakes up in the woods by a stream, uh, and then he like he 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 wakes up, and he's mad at himself because he's like, oh my god, I fell asleep. What the fuck? He realizes he is an idiot, and he's so, like, he's like, oh my god, how could I have done that? Uh, and then he gets lost as he tries to find his way back to Redwall. He just absolutely gets fucking lost and like night starts falling and he starts getting like scared and anxious and then as he's like he's like i'm gonna like hide myself in like this tree and he hears some scratching noises and he's like what the what the fuck is this shit and so he's like no this is fine i'm a warrior and he like leaps out and challenges the source of the scary noise (laughs) and it's a baby red squirrel (laughs) And I do have a note here that, like, the writing style of this chapter is very odd. Like, it doesn't really match anything that I've read before in the book. And it switches back to normal. Like, the next chapter immediately switches back to what it was doing before. Like, this whole little chapter just feels... It's kind of... Anytime something weird happens to Matthias, it kind of swaps into that writing a little bit. Yeah, it's very peculiar. But also, it's Kit, it's the Arthurian bullshit. Yes, but like, I'm talking like Brian's writing style, not just like to jump out of the story for a moment. Like, Brian just like completely switches style here, it feels like, and that's what's throwing me off so badly. That's all. Um, It was the editor, maybe. Probably. But also, I do want to say that in defense of Matthias, forests are scary. When it is dark, like, I oh, don't yeah. know how many, how many of my readers, or, <laughs> bleh, bleh, <laughs> how um, many of the listeners, how many of the listeners 
have actually been in the mountains or in a forest away from civilization, like not even like at a campground, but like away from civilization, even at a campground sometimes. This... When it gets dark and there is no electrical light around, you hear everything. Uh-huh. Hey, everything. there's there's a reason why like I am super specific when I am talking about the forest versus the woods. Yes. <laughs> because the forest can be scary. You don't want to be in the woods at night. Yeah. I grew up with the Sierra Nevadas in my backyard. So I have had plenty of experience in a forest at night in the mountains in nothing but a tent or a little tiny shabby cabin at a Girl Scout camp. I would love to bring you to the Appalachias. Oh, man. (laughs) And have you come out and camp in the woods with me. Because that is... I live Listen, in Wyoming now, too. Like, the I Rocky the Bighorn Mount- Mountains outside my window, so... <laughs> the Rocky Mountains are baby. They are tall. Yes, you can get lost in them. Yes, but they are baby well, the compared Bighorn- to the Appalachians. I think the Bighorns are older because they're they're not sharp and jagged like the Rocky Mountain range. They're nope. much softer. But we're getting into a tangent. <laughs> we enjoy the- talking about geology Anyway, yeah, you don't want to get caught in the woods alone. So Matthias is genuinely afraid because he doesn't know where he is in Mossflower Wood. But it is a tiny baby red squirrel. Uh, this little dude knows the way back to Redwall. But the way that Matthias figures this out is he like, this, this little baby squirrel's just sucking on his paw. Just like staring at Matthias, just sucking on his paw. And Matthias is like, oh, fucking God. You're just a baby squirrel. Okay. <laughs> Somehow I knew you would like him. It's like, are are you, are you also lost? The baby squirrel's like, nah. Do your parents know you're out here? The baby squirrel's like, yeah. But doesn't say anything. He's just nodding and shaking his head. He's like, can you talk? No. Do you know how to get to Redwall? Yes. <laughs> can you take me there? Yes. <laughs> like, at first when everything from this was... book, I remember the baby squirrel very vividly. As soon as, like... The words baby squirrel happened, it all came back, and I was like, the baby squirrel! Yeah. At first when he showed up, I was kind of like, oh, how am I going to like this character? And like, I enjoy him. He's not my favorite, but he's definitely like one of the better written child. I love him. Yeah. I knew you'd like him. (laughs) I think I'd listen. I love him. So yeah, they start going back. The little squirrel starts leading Matthias back to Redwall. And back at the Abbey... Some of the defenders are attempting to sleep. They're, like, doing shift changes and stuff while people are, like, on the wall still. Uh, the abbot has a small chat with Methuselah. Um, who is... Oh, man. He's so fucking cheeky. Oh. Methuselah is, like, literally just, like... What? Hey, can you go look at the elm that's, like, just peeking up over the wall over there? Bending against the wind. <laughs> Just like, the wind is moving in in, in a southwardly direction. And so you'd think that the elm would be moving its leaves and branches from, like, north to south. But it's defying nature and moving east to west. And the abbot is just like, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Methuselah so much. He's a shit. I love it. Like there's there's moments where yeah, like it's like he's definitely like uh, he is that old man that you're just like. I love you because you've got great stories and knowledge. I hate you because you come with the prejudices of your time. Yeah, it's like God damn it, Grandpa. (laughs) Just flashbacks to my grandfather and some of the things he used to say, like Grandfather. Okay. Me thinking about my great uncle, the one time I visited him and just had to, my mom had to give me the most venomous look so that I would bite my tongue when he started talking about immigrants and homosexuals. Oh. And my, I was just like, my, my grandfather, Ooh, I want to say shit. My grandfather refused to watch Ellen DeGeneres and um, in his words, and the most I suppose Milk like toast innocuous lesbian. Yep. He would refuse to watch her. And I quote, like, I don't know if this is triggering. You can cut it if it is, but he said, I won't watch that fruit loop. He would never, the thing is like grandfather, I never heard him say like an actual nasty gay slur, but he would call them fruit loops or fairies is what he would call them. Which is like, that, mm, okay. I don't know. Like, okay. I think fairies is probably nice, but it's like grandfather. They're both like in in context. They're both bad, but yes. it's one of those. It's those two. It's like being said by like an old man. It's just kind of like okay, grandpa. Yeah, like okay, like, grandpa. You, you I'm grew not up in... <laughs> like fuck you. I guess. Yeah, I could literally beat you up. Whatever. <laughs> I wonder how he would feel now knowing his favorite granddaughter is either bi or lesbian. <laughs> well, she's definitely a lesbian for sure, but she's probably bi, question mark. I don't know. Sarah, I love you. Um, <laughs> and then there's you, and then nebulous there's, queer. Well, he, like, grandmother was okay with me being ace. Grandfather passed before I ever even really started explaining any of that. So, I don't know. He probably eh. wouldn't care because, like, I don't, you know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, yeah. Methuselah (laughs) tips the abbot off to Clooney's plan to climb up the elm and sneak onto the wall. So Constance gets together a group of redwallers and they, like, sneak over there along the, like, wall. Mm -hmm. Cheese Thief, of course, being a dipshit, nearly drops the plank because it's too heavy for him and too awkward and he's not very smart... He's trying to show off to Clooney, too. Yeah. And Scrag takes his place and gets the the plank set up by helping to, like, direct everybody else. Um, And, you know, Scrag is good at his job. And Cheese Thief hates it. Uh Uh, Clooney tests the plank. It bends and, like, bows a little bit and is a little rickety. But it doesn't slide and it doesn't start to fall or break. So... He says, okay, everybody, we're going to go across one at a time. I'm going first. And he starts to move across by himself. But then Constance just pops up and is just like, sup, motherfucker, and (laughs) kicks the plank over. And this knocks Clooney off. uh, A bunch of the other, like, there's, uh, I think Winifred is there? Yeah, there's Winifred, like, a, a few of the squirrels, a few of the otters... Somebody's got, like, an otter jout, like, an otter slingshot takes out a, uh, ferret. Let's see, Constance. Yes. 
Here we go. Here we go. Ambrose is also there. Yes. Ambrose is always there. Yep. Um, Cheese Thief also shoves Scrag out of the tree. Just yeets him because he sees an opportunity. Um, Everybody else panics as they continue, like, firing at them and, like, knock a few of them out of the tree and stuff. Yeah, here it is. Um, Winifred the Otter managed to speed up the... Speed up the retreat with a few well-aimed stones from her sling. The defenders viewed their work with grim satisfaction. Yep. Uh, they all, like, they questioned, like, was that Cludie that was on the plank? And Constance was like, oh, so it wasn't just me. Okay. Yeah, I hope it was, and I hope he's dead, but we better not count him out. Yeah. Um. Because, like, she's so fucking smart. There's Ambrose says, like, maybe we'd better go and see, suggested Ambrose. The defenders looked towards Constance. Maybe not, said the badger thoughtfully. No, I don't like it. It suddenly strikes me that this could be a diversionary tactic to draw us away from the gatehouse wall. If it was Clooney who fell from the plank, all well and good. But if it wasn't, then he's still around the front. It won't serve any useful purpose counting dead bodies. Let's get back to the main action. And we have to remember that um, this is Red still Tooth at is the point still... in time where there is the fake Clooney, Red Fang. Red Tooth Red or Red Tooth? Red Tooth. There's two rats, like Fangburn and Red Tooth. So please forgive me if I keep getting them switched up. I am so bad with names. Um, but <laughs> Red Tooth. Red Tooth is still pretending to be Clooney out on the field. Yep. So they return to the gatehouse and then we swap to Cheese Thief slinking out of the undergrowth because he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> Clooney survived the fall barely. He is, like, under the plank. He is all fucked up. Scrag is also still alive. Uh, so they get Clooney loaded on the plank like a stretcher and, like, hurry him away. Cheese Thief plays up his loyalty to him and to Scrag and is like, I'm going to stay here and make sure, like, see check on Scrag, make sure he's okay, help him get back. And then he just... <laughs> Just in time for Martin and the baby squirrel to arrive at the walls. Just in time to see Cheese Thief kill Scrag in cold blood. Like, steps on his throat and just crushes it and kills him. Matthias didn't even try to cover this baby's eyes to keep he, him from seeing this. Like, I think he was too in shock to even think to do that. Poor, poor, poor baby. Yeah. Poor baby. <laughs> like, I have a note here. How to traumatize a baby. Step one. Basically. But after Cheese Thief, like, slinks away again, um, the, the squirrel babe, the squirrel dibbon just scales the tree, gets Constance, and Constance, uh, gets them both in the wall by opening one of the side doors. There's a lot of convenient side doors. Weird side doors. (laughs) Like, we need someone to leave the Abbey. Let's just invent a side door for them to sneak out. Yeah. Alright. Alright. So they're. They're, once they're back inside, uh, everybody is standing on the wall watching uh, Clooney's army retreat. Um. Red Tooth is still pretending to be Clooney. They've covered Clooney's body with, like, a cloth. 
But it's not um, fake to, fooling anyone. Yeah, they're not fooling anybody. They they know Clooney was injured. Um, and a couple of people are like, we should like shoot at them. We should take take them out while they're in retreat. And the abbot is like, no, we are not doing that. And on one hand. I respect him for, you know, sticking to his morals, but on the other hand, that is very stupid in this situation. Although, it is a war crime to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. As we go through, you will see me yell about war crimes multiple (laughs) times, because Matthias commits quite a few. Yeah. I, he gets really, really bad in the, towards the middle of this book. Uh, Just awful. Stop committing war crimes! Stop treating sentient creatures like dogs! <sighs> anyway, we'll get there. Um, yeah. So, the abbot tells them not to shoot them. Uh, and the Redwallers uh, turn to tending their wounded and the dead, and Cornflower finds Matthias, and she is so happy he's back. She is just like, I thought you wouldn't come back. I thought you were gone forever. And Matthias is like, oh, I'm like an old bad penny. I always show back up. <laughs> and and then here, here we Kit have- goes on a tangent talking about money. <laughs> well, it's just, it's not, this isn't a critique of the writing or the world. This is more just me being curious, like, does this world have any kind of coin currency? Because there, there's no centralized government. There is no ruler. There is no emperor. There is no fiefdom or city-state. Like, who, who would mint the coins? Whose face would be on the coins? Why would they make the coins in the first place when, for the most part, like, all we see them do in this world is barter and trade? They're coins from... From... From the Wildcats. Right. Or... or <laughs> Or, again, like, my conspiracy theory of, like, humans used to exist in this world, and now they're just gone for some reason. Those would be some big-ass coins. I mean, they probably could shave them down. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. You know, a clipped coin kind of a thing. Just punch punch out smaller coins from the bigger coin. Yes, exactly. Um, Who's this dude's face? Don't care. He's some weird creature. (laughs) But I know that there's, in other books, coins are referenced because a lot of times um, coins are used as decoration on pirates. Oh, yeah. So, I don't Again, like, this isn't like a big nitpicky, critiquey thing. (laughs) This is more just like, huh, like, I wonder how would a, a, a mint run in such a decentralized region because... There really, there is not a government connecting all these groups together. Like, Redball is the center of Moss Flower, but even then you have a bunch of groups who are not controlled by Redwall. They're just tangentially connected to Redwall. And then when you get out of Moss Flower, it gets even more nebulous. Because we were like, oh, there's like these peoples who live up north, but then you have like these huge swaths of land that are just empty. And nobody Cute lives there. tracks of land. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, that, that's it. I'm done with that tangent. I'm good there. <laughs> um, so Matthias joins. Uh, they're having a morning conference. And we learn the name of the little squirrel dibbon. Uh, his name is Silent Sam because he has never spoken a word since he's been born. Um, and he communicates through, like, gestures and, um, not signing, like, 
uh, like sign language, but they don't he have does a lot of gesturing. Sign language in Redwall at all, from what nope. I recall. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, it's it's one reason I find like I have a note here that like mutism appears and like I remember like it would show up not often. But I would see it pop up a lot in books when I was a teenager, a lot of the smaller chapter books that I would read. But, like, you would often have, like, a mute character who was either mute from trauma or they would just say, yeah, they're just, they're, they've been mute since they were born. They just don't want to talk. Like, like, okay, pulling out a really old Disney movie, just don't be like, he can't talk? No, we don't know. He never tried. You know, and, like, they never, they never. <laughs> I find it interesting how, like, in a lot of older depictions of mutism, the characters are often not, they're not infantilized, although in this case, Silent Sam is literally an infant, but yeah. they're not scolded or looked down upon. It's like, they don't talk and they're just like, no, they don't. And that's, that's that. They just, they don't talk. It's and, nice when characters are treated like that and not like they're bumbling, like, not like they're a little slow. Yeah. Despite the fact that they're one of the smartest goddamn characters in the book, right? Oh my god, why do they treat her like this? God. So the abbot knows Silent Sam's parents very well. Uh, and he says that uh, they'll pick up his tracks and be along here later to collect him. Um, apparently, the abbot has tried every remedy known to Redwall on him. And nothing has worked on Sam. So he's just, you know, he's just silent. And he knows Mossflower would like the back of his paw. I'm just imagining and he keeps, him, like, like, or, like, sucking on his paw because he was also, like, um, uh, like, eating milk and honey and, like, just sucking it off of his paw. Uh-huh. I'm just imagining him, like, giving this poor little baby mouse, like, honey and milk or, like, other little herb tincture tinctures... Just trying to get him to talk and the mouse and this little squirrel just being like, yeah, sure, I'll eat whatever you give me. I'm still not going to talk, though. (laughs) (laughs) Also, another side note I forgot to put in here. Cornflower's father is just fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's up and about. Nothing can keep a good field mouse down for long. Yep. Um, uh, Matthias tells uh, everybody about uh, the rescue that they made at St. Ninian's and about Basil. And Constance is like, surely you don't mean Basil Staghair, cried Constance. Well, I never. Is that old eccentric still bobbing around? I expect we'll see him turn up with the Vole family around about lunchtime. I never knew Basil to miss the chance of a free lunch back in the old days. (laughs) Like, how old are you, Constance? Right? (laughs) Like, male? She's nebulously older. Yeah. Well, I mean, she makes it all the way through to, um... Matimeo. So. Is... Badger, badgers just live forever. Yes. It's fine. Um, badgers are magic. Yep. Matthias is thanked for rescuing the voles, and they move on to the problem of Clooney. The abbot thinks that he'll die and the horde will move on, but Constance tells him no, and that she would stake her life on his recovery and a second attack. The abbot concedes, though he is really still not convinced. Uh, and he sets it up so that Constance, Matthias, Winifred, Formal, and Ambrose will take over war... Excuse me. Will take over war duties during the second attack, should it come. Oh. Um, 
I like this little bit of leadership where he is no like conceding to the expertise of others. Yeah, people who uh, know what they're doing. Yeah, but it's still kind of like my dude. You gotta see the writing on the fucking wall, <laughs> and he just doesn't because he 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 continues to hope that creatures will be good, and it's like I I understand, but my dude, I've I've seen this trope a lot in fantasy settings where. You'll have, like, the pacifist character who's who will decide to step back and, like, well, it's not my decision anymore. I wash my hands of it. Where basically they are, they're refusing to take responsibility of, basically just, like, they're refusing to be um, proactive. Mm-hmm. And it's their way of being like, well, I didn't choose to do this. It's not my problem anymore. Whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Basically just them it's ducking, ducking responsibility. Yeah, it's annoying. Um, so he, the abbot takes Silent Sam off and uh, he tells Matthias that he needs to go speak with Brother Methuselah because he has something to tell him. And then we swap back to Clooney. And Clooney is clinging to life with a terrifying tenacity. Uh, the guard rats are in, like, the guard rats who were there when Basil and Matthias were fucking shit up are in prison and starved. And the rest of the horde is just kind of twiddling their thumbs because they don't know what to do right now. Yeah, bosses out. What's, what's the plan here? The boss is laid up in bed. Um, Kit made a comment in here about it being, like, not quite magic, but, like, Clooney is not natural Yeah, when like, it comes to this stuff. His his clinging to life like this, literally by a sheer force of will, it's, again, like, like we like to joke about, like, Arthurian bu bullshit, but it is something along those veins in that this is a character, like, there isn't magic in this world, but there is. And this mm -hmm. is the kind of magic that exists in this world in that... It's a creature surviving something they really should not have survived by force of will alone. Because he's like, I am Clooney. I am a force. I am a legend. I will not die like this. Yeah, and it's even said, like, because um, it goes through, like, the injuries that would have proven fatal to any other rat on Earth. A broken arm, a broken leg, numerous cracked ribs, a fractured tail, smashed claws, and other hurts not yet diagnosed. Redtooth and four of the others might have set upon their leader and finished him off for good, but the fear of his legendary powers was too strong. They literally, he could get taken out by any of his captains, and they're just too scared of him. Mm-hmm. Um. So, as he is attempting to recover, uh, he has a nightmare again. Mm-hmm. The dead body of a uh, rag ear, a skeletal rat that's wearing his armor, a hare with huge feet, a banded snake, and always the mouse with the sword waiting to kill him. He is once again awoken by the Joseph Bell and Fangburn, who was attempting to remove part of an elm branch from his chest. Like, he shoes Fangburn away like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and tells him to go get, uh, some of the local recruits because he wants to know if any of them know of any healers. And we straight up, I'm just going to read this. 
Within minutes, Fangburn had assembled a band of the recruits around Clooney's bed. Where's Scrag the Weasel? Clooney growled. Cheese Thief stepped forward, wiping imaginary tears from his face with the back of a filthy cloth. Don't you remember, Chief? He fell out of the big tree. After I'd taken care of you, I went back for him. When I got to him, the poor weasel was dead. What a good, kind, a shut your moaning face, said Clooney irritably. If he's dead, then that's that. Here, you recruits, come closer and listen to me. Apprehensively, the little group shuffled forward. Clooney raised himself slightly on one elbow. Don't any of you know where a healer can be found? I don't mean like one of the- I don't mean one like those mice. I need a creature that knows the old ways. A Romani slur. One who can cure anything for the right price. So it's... Kukani the ferret bowed elaborately. Ah, tis your lucky day, your honor, for don't I know the very vixen. Foxes? echoed Clooney. Aye, foxes, sir. So we have in this book the first book written definitive fucking proof that the foxes are in fact racist romani stereotypes yep Just... and i'm so fucking tired yeah i mean literally the g slur literally in this book and and he doesn't blah 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 product of your time it's always been a goddamn slur well not just always it's not even the excuse of like over like i remember when like it first really getting like don't use it in the states because over here in the states for a long time it wasn't in the states it wasn't really used as a slur it was more of well, because a lot of times and... when people were using it, they were referring to Irish travelers. Yes. So it wasn't really meant... Um, who were also yeah. treated terribly. Oh, that's true. But, like, over in the States, it didn't have the same context. But, like, he is in Britain. He is in the thick of it. Uh, it is very much a slur where he is from. So he should, you know, like... Uh, pro- again, product of his time... But even then, it's just kind of like, I don't like that. It's bad. It's bad. Like, there's no reason that this should be like this. Just like, hey, get me some... Whatsoever. Just get me a mystic healer, one who knows the old... Like, he could have just said, get me a mystic healer, one who knows the old ways. Which still wouldn't have been fantastic, considering, like, all of the associations with that. What? There are ways to write that kind of like quote unquote magical healer yeah. that don't fall into these stereotypes. Well like he's got But because it's an easy trope that's yeah. easily recognized by children. Well not just that it's in but this fucking children's book. He's got he's got such a great setup where he could have used a more druidic character. Like druids were known for doing herbalism and stuff like that and knowing like mystic healing techniques like he could have gone for like oh get me someone who's more like a a druid or a wise woman or you know just like a wise woman a wise woman would have worked a midwife a midwife yeah although i suppose he probably wouldn't think of like a midwife since like most people associate that with babies no so the thing is in um like old times because i don't want to just say medieval because this lasted (laughs) book before and longer than that Uh 
midwives are doctors That's and true. have always been doctors. If you wanted to get something fixed, you went to a midwife because one, you were less likely to die if a midwife handled you, and two, she could fix just about anything. Yeah. When male doctors started to get more prominent, more people started dying because they were they didn't wash their hands. <laughs> yeah. In fact, wasn't it a well, no, I, like, I remember, like, there was a male doctor who made hand-washing popular again, but it was because yeah. he saw the, the nurses doing it or something like that. Yep. <sighs> it's, there's, and finding good information about this shit is difficult because, you know, Google. Yep. Not is, just that, we but. We live in a society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, I'm mad, and I will continue to be mad forever about this, because it doesn't get better. It gets less obvious. Yeah, like, I don't think he calls them Romani. The G-slur. Yeah, the G-slur after this. But... I have no idea, honestly. I cannot say for sure whether or not he does. I know that it's not brought up again in this part of the book. Yeah. But I don't know if it happens in any of the other ones. Um, holy goddamn fuck. Uh, but yeah, so Kilgany tells him about Sela and her son, Chicken Hound. <laughs> Why is he named this? I love that his name is Chicken Hound. <laughs> Clooney uh, sends Kilgany off to fetch them. And he sends his... Other rats, you wrote mice, but other rats to find a good, strong tree to become a battering ram. He plans to heal, think, and plan for the second attack. He is so fucking angry. He says the uh, those Abbey mice were going to pay with blood for what they had done to Clooney the Scourge. How dare they defend themselves? Against me! Right? Jeez, rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Matthias comes up as Methuselah is like very slowly brushing the dust of ages out of an inscription on the wall and then inking it in. And Matthias is like, oh, what's this? And Methuselah is like, I don't know yet, but it was behind the part of the tapestry that had Martin on it. And Matthias is like, oh, my God. So Methuselah gives him the dusting brush and is like, well, help me dust and I will ink and we'll get this done twice as fast. And Methuselah struggles to keep up because Matthias is so fucking exuberant about this. He's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And they find a riddle poem behind that where the tapestry was and they both decide to stay put until they figure it out. And I have a small complaint here. Again, this was like, I had this complaint back when we were reading Moss Flower, too. Uh, Methuselah says this riddle is in the old language or in the old script. And for anyone who even has a passing familiarity with the history of just English, English is split into Old English, Middle English, and Modern English. The three can practically be considered individual languages in certain ways because there was a thing that happened between Middle and Modern English called the Great Vowel Shift, 
which means certain rhymes that worked back in Old or Middle English no longer apply or work in the way we pronounce vowels nowadays. And Our good old TH letter. Mm-hmm. Just... <sighs> It's it's kind of like how like when you read old books and like oh yeah this was a poem and you're reading you're like no it's not it's like it is because they used to pronounce it differently not only that but certain words were used in different ways so it's like oh we're gonna make this riddle that is going to have exactly the letters we need and exactly the cadence we need and I'm just in the background like you can't translate riddles like that it doesn't work the same way you have to work in the language that they were written in or it won't work although you know I just realized something. If this was what? written by Martin, who is evidently now able to see the future, he probably knew <laughs> about that, so made sure to spell it the right way. Yeah, that's a fucking Arthurian goddamn bullshit. Goddamn bullshit. <sighs> so the riddle poem that they find behind the tapestry is as follows. Who says that I am dead knows not at all. I am that is. Two mice within Redwall. The warrior sleeps twixt hall and cavern hole. I am that is. Take on my mighty role. Look for the sword in moonlight streaming forth. At night when day's first hour reflects the north. From o'er the threshold, seek and you will see. I am that is. My sword will wield for me. And unike the goddamn riddle quest we got in Moss Flower. Yeah, this one's an actual <laughs> this riddle. This is an actual riddle quest. Yeah. And a decent one, too. It gets so obtuse as it goes. It does. But I it, mean, it's... to be fair, it starts off a little bit obtuse. Um, like, I like where it leads. It's like there's a really good spot right in the middle, and then it kind of fizzles out at the end where you're like, uh... It, it goes on just a little too long. That's what it is. I think it's just because Methuselah and Matthias are stupid. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely. <laughs> and not in a, like, oh, they don't know what they... No, they just don't take into account other people's expertise in what they're doing. Because they're like, oh, we can obviously figure this out. And then they're, like, sitting sitting there later on like what the fuck is this someone else comes up and is like oh it's this and they're like what the fuck yeah like they, they constantly have other characters showing up being like oh i know what this is and just like solving it for them because hey hey matthias hey methuselah <laughs> it turns out that the entire point of the abbey is for multiple creatures to work together in harmony and community and not for mice to do everything themselves. Anyway, Methuselah gets really <laughs> fucking rude to Cornflower as she's bringing them breakfast. God. And just... Because they've been sitting there for hours at that point, and he's like, nah, go away. Matthias has to keep a clear head, and it's like, what is wrong with you, old man? Like, we cannot have females here. You're... Your sexy pheromones will distract the boy because he has no head on his shoulders. Just females. Females and their pheromones and their wicked wiles. God, Jesus. She's a sexy lamb. The, the more I read this book, like, I understand that you dislike her and I understand why. 
Okay, the more so I read I this book, the more I dislike her, like as a kid, because she didn't do anything. But now I'm just like, God, Jesus, fuck! What is wrong with everybody? Yeah, like I just feel sorry for her. I don't dislike yeah. her. Yeah, I pity her. It is not her fault that everybody is just like, you're a sexy lamp. Literally. And she's over here like, I'm a person. You can literally replace her with a sexy lamp. She she fails every single, like, just, oh. There's whole scenes where she just straight up doesn't talk while she is there actively in the scene. So they muse over the odd riddle and Matthias is complaining that M, that is, seems to be all jumbled up. And Methuselah just fucking, he's, he's just like, God. He basically figured, he has a brainwave. So Matthias says, sounds all mixed up to me, Matthias grumbled. Methuselah looked up sharply. Say that again. Say what again? You mean that it sounds all mixed up to me? Methuselah executed a little jig of delight. He patted the wall with his paw, shouting, that's it, that's it. Why couldn't I see it? It's all mixed up, of course. The old mouse took a great draught of ale. Cackling with glee, he pointed a paw at Matthias. I know something that you don't. M, that is. Matthias. The young mouse frowned. So the old one had finally cracked. He was in his second infancy. Bruh, be nice. Right. Like, uh... The, the... God. <laughs> Little bit of Matthias, I that am Matthias, you that are like he's just he's an old man who's just having some fun. Yeah, like uh, respect your elders. Also, though Methuselah, stop it. Yeah, um, but basically they figure out that M that is is Matthias all is the name Matthias all scrambled around, um, and the two are humbled by the thought that Martin predicted Matthias's existence. Which is some goddamn Arthurian bullshit. When did Martin learn to see the future and write prophecies about it? I mean, like, I do like that you pointed out it could have been on the walls of Salamandastron. But the thing is, is though, like, as far as I remember, the walls of Salamandastron really only care about what's happening at Salamandastron, not at the Abbey. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's somehow so a, old lady um, magic ladies giving swords out in the middle of magic lakes is no way to run a society. Some boys and bee love to scimitar me. They hold me away. <laughs> help help me repress. <laughs> anyway <laughs> We're just gonna keep quoting the Holy Grail. Yes. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Because that's what the sword is! Listen, we had a rough start to this. We're gonna need to be a little silly. <laughs> oh my god. No, the sword's not the holy grail. If we're going off of Arthurian bullshit, so the sword is obviously Excalibur, mm-hmm. and whatever pretty young lady happens to be in the book is the holy grail. With that, well, you said pretty young lady, and my brain was like, women giving out swords. My brain was like, Dunwing? Lots of sword item. Get this thing the F out of our court. <laughs> it's bad news. Okay, we're moving on. Yes. Uh, we'll get to her in a bit. The next clue leads them to the seven steps that are between um, the hall and cavern hole. They're basically like the steps that lead up 
towards the dormitories, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and there's red wall written up each side uh, so that it could be red going up or down. Like, red wall going up and red wall going down, one on each side. Um, Matthias connects it to the fourth step where the W is lined up on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, w, which flipped, becomes uh, an M. And I, I love... This good riddle bullshit, Martin, like, saw Boar's attempt at riddle bullshit and was like, I'm gonna make this better. Yeah. <laughs> Just clown, gonna clown all over this old badger now. Because <laughs> I have a whole abbey that I get to help build so I can put this shit, this, b- b- this nonsense into the abbey. Just, I also love that in this bit where Matthias figures this out, he's just like, he, this time it was Matthias's turn to become excited and point a paw at his companion. I know something you don't know. <laughs> Methuselah pursed his lips in annoyance. You know, Matthias, for a mouse that claims affinity with Martin the Warrior, you can be singularly foolish sometimes. Huh. No more foolish than you were when you were saying the same thing to me not so long ago. <laughs> Boys, boys, please. You're both very smart and pretty. You're both smart and pretty. (laughs) Um, So they call, they try to move the step and it just doesn't budge. And so they call up four mole and two other moles. And... (laughs) Uh, The two moles, Walt and Dobie... I'm gonna. It's time. <sighs> in in the notes, in the notes, I wrote, "Doby is a free mole." It's time to stop. Dot gif. <laughs> I couldn't put the gif in there. It wouldn't let me. But it's time to stop. Dot gif. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he calls Walt and Doby over about this because apparently their grandmother um, was an expert in these kinds of steps. Apparently she could turn the stones over after dusting them. And so so also Methuselah is having to translate like mole dialects this whole time and it's like Matthias definitely knows how to understand these moles. It's not that hard to understand. It's like Oh my god, so it's just all mole speed, and and Matthias is like, what's he saying? Although I guess it might be easier because we're reading it, not actually listening to it being said in a quick, you know. Our fourth and upwards, same downwards, your Walt Ark Doby, bite the same as your grandmum Dufoin when she's rooting about, um, about olden time fortifications. I understood that. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what? God, just... So, Matthias is like, how do you, uh, like, ask Formal if he knows how to deal with the step, and, like, uh, how he and Methuselah would be willing to help. Formal's just, like, he just smiles, he claps Matthias on the shoulder, uh, apparently very very heavy and hard <laughs> and Matthias is really glad that it was just a friendly pat. So Formal then says, and I really love this line because I just think it's funny. Nay, nay, bless your little art, Matt Wise. You, you old Methuselah be but mouse's best lever to uh, to Formal oil deal with and 
<laughs> he says he can cope adequately without either of us. Like, yeah, yeah. no shit, that's what he said. I just like that he calls Matthias Matwise and Methuselah Methuselah. Methuselah. It's very cute. It's very good. It's very, very funny. But so Formal pulls out all these, like, little tools. It's, like, a little fine-haired hand brush. And he's, like, very, very carefully, like, brushing along the edges of the step. Like, this boy is... This, this... And I just love imagining this, like, this big mole just, like, brush, 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 like brush, this, brush. This... With his big digging claws. Straight up an archaeologist. He's so good. I love Formal. I love every Formal. <laughs> also, the um, fact that they attribute the, ro- the, the name of Formal... To Martin. Like, bruh. That comes up later, though. Yeah. Um, so what Formal d- uncovers is there is a hairline crack that can be seen around the entirety of the step. Um, and he came up with a tin of grease and a strong, thin bar, one end of which was flattened like a spatula. He has a crowbar. Yeah. Um, he smears the grease liberally on top of the third step, and he inserts the flat metal tip against the base of the fifth step. Um, he dealt the a blunt end of the bar a smart blow, setting it firmly into the crack, and with a swift movement, he levered the fourth step an inch forward, exposing a long, dark gap. Uh, and so, with a grunt of satisfaction, Formo called out to his team, Your moles gather on and set your digging claws in them crack! The mole team dug their claws into the gap, chanting together as they heaved with a will, Hershey come, if and you please, move in bold or slide on grease! To the astonishment of the watching mice, the step slid smoothly outwards on the greased stone. It turned completely over to reveal a dark opening with a downward flight of stairs running off into the blackness below. And then Kit, in our comments, goes off on a tangent. Okay, okay. About. So, alright. Gross air and mold. Okay, so in archaeology, it is very important, like, when you are opening a tomb or a passageway or a building that has been sealed up for centuries, maybe even a thousand, a couple thousand years, uh, mainly looking at Egypt, you need to be careful. Because not only could the air have gone bad to the point where, like, you walk down there, bam, you are unconscious because there's no oxygen or there's a buildup of a gas that you can't smell. Um, but there are molds, there are specific dusts, there could be asbestos down there or something you don't know about down there. Um, like there's stories, like you remember, like there was all those like Egyptian curses from, you know, the, you know, England plundering the hell out of Egypt. Uh, no, it was deadly mold. But it was, it was mold. It was the dust. Like they were dying from you know, just traipsing on in there, breathing in a bunch of bad shit, then going home to a a moist environment because <laughs> it's England. And of course they died. They had, you know, crap in their lungs that they didn't even know how to explain yet. So it wasn't a curse. It was just they weren't being careful. And like, now these two are just like, oh, look, we're going to go just walk into this area without checking to see if the air is any good at all. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> Brian wasn't thinking about that. I know, and most I know most people won't because it's it's the it's the tomb raider trope. It's the 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 adventure going into ancient tombs where it's like you don't worry about that. It's the it's the glitter of treasure that's the main focus, not good archaeology. <laughs> 
Me. Kip's angry about this. I angry. Me. Don't touch anything, Matthias. I'm going to take everything. Me. No wonder you keep hallucinating. Right? No shit. <laughs> it's not magic. So, it's bad air. <laughs> God. So, next chapter. Colonia is being tended to by Sela. Uh, we get this bit where Sela, where apparently, like, foxes are just not allowed past the, the walls of Redwall for anything. Where is that? God forbid they be allowed in Redwall. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, um, they, they never say foxes, though. Like, it's specifically that Sela has never been allowed past the Abbey Gates. Not foxes, but that specifically it says she was never allowed past the gates. Because, you know, like, I mean, the next book, they let a fox in. So... Yeah, that's fair. But also, yeah, I would be inclined to believe that they don't. Uh, no. Yeah, the yeah. only reason they let that other fox in is because he was he was literally dying in the road. Well, there, there's that, but also like again, the next book, he comes and like, hello, I am a friendly jester. Me and my band of of clowns and jesters are here to entertain you. And they're like, oh yeah, sure, we'll let you in. So. Problems. <laughs> yeah. Problems immediately. Yeah. for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!